Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So on this uh, solstice evening, I uh, I wanted to offer some reflections on uh, the light inside the darkness. As I said, the solstice was um, just what about a ha- uh, oh, 40 minutes ago, 727 Pacific time, uh, where we are farthest away from the sun in the northern hemisphere. I have friends in in uh, down under and for them it's the longest day of the year so you can just keep in mind it's all about perspective and all about your reality uh, which might be different from which is different from very different from other realities uh, and uh, is unique to you Uh, but we are in the, the darkest moments and one of the beautiful things about sharing it together is now we are heading towards the light. Every every moment we're getting closer to the sun and there's more and more light in every day. Um, but going into the darkness um, together, this is a, a sacred time. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, I don't have to tell you about all the holidays that are, um, that are centered around this time of year, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights or Kwanzaa or um, lots of different traditions. It's not an accident that this is a time where um, whatever the culture, there's a kind of extra reminder that there is still light inside. And sometimes going into the darkness is a, a particular uh, sacred journey. That's what we do when we go on retreats. Uh, We're going not just into the darkness, but we are going inside, I should say. And for those who uh, came late, I I just finished sitting for a few weeks, uh, my own self retreat. And it was it was really wonderful to remember why I love this practice and why I love sharing it with with others. Uh, And it's a journey within. We're not distracted by things all around us. And we go inside and we're willing to see and be with whatever is here. And when we go deep within, we, uh, we touch something sacred below our normal waking consciousness. And when we touch that quiet and that stillness, then we access, uh, we access all the beautiful qualities that are inside of us. 
I'm just thinking of, you know, probably my favorite Christmas carol. I wasn't, I wasn't raised singing. Uh, uh, I wasn't raised Christian. We didn't have a Christmas tree growing up, but I love Christmas carols. And, and actually we will be celebrating Christmas uh, with a bunch of friends and we always sing Christmas carols. Uh, and um, there's something so beautiful about Christmas carols and the, the most beautiful of all, it's such a simple song and such a profound song, silent night, holy night. There's something holy about the, the silence because when we go inside and are willing to be with all the places inside, including the places that are scary, um, we find a courage and a brightness and love that um, we didn't know we had, we wouldn't have known we had it if we weren't willing to go into those, those deep, even scary places. That's what the, I was thinking about the hero's journey. You probably know Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And I have a little bit of a, a diagram here. You, you hear a call and you set out on your journey and you might find a helper or a mentor, uh, but you're going through um, the scariest places until finally you go to the abyss. And as you go into the abyss, then there's transformation and, um, and awakening, and then you return. That's the hero's journey. And that's kind of the meditative journey as well. If you, if you go on a retreat and it's just all love and light, which sometimes it is, um, it's sweet and it's delicious, but, um, but you're not rubbing against the places that you still have some, um, some challenge to opening up to. And so you really learn from going into those dark places. And I, as I was thinking about this, uh, this evening, I, it, it occurred to me to, uh, to pull out Pema Chodron's beautiful book, The Places That Scare You. She's so good. And I wanted to share with you her reflections on going into the places that scare you as a direct way of transformation. And this is from the chapter, Learning to Stay. It's learning to stay. And when you think about it, it's like the Buddha sitting there as Mara is besieging him with temptation and threat of attack and then finally self-doubt and each of those Mara is Mara's army is attacking the Buddha and the Buddha is just sitting there just sitting there through it all 
or sitting there and finally touching the earth to feel that connection and support. That's what we're doing when we're practicing. We're just sitting here willing to be with everything. As she says, learning to stay. And there's four different aspects of, of this, this attitude that I thought I'd share as part of the, the evening's reflection. The first is steadfastness. And this is what she says. No matter what comes up, aching bones, boredom, falling asleep, or the wildest thoughts and emotions, we develop a loyalty to our experience. Although plenty of meditators uh, consider it, we don't run screaming out of the room. As we continue to sit, we see that meditation isn't about getting it right or attaining some ideal state. It's about being able to stay present with ourselves. It becomes increasingly clear that we won't be free of self-destructive patterns unless we develop a compassionate understanding of what they are. And this is uh, part of the human curriculum. While you're here, this is not the hell realm. Sometimes it feels like it is. This is not the heaven realm. Sometimes it might feel like it is. But in both of those realms, you're either lost in fear or lost in pleasure. And there's not the capacity developed to be with both sorrow and joy. You don't want to overlook the, the, the joy. You want to really drink that in, but knowing that it's going to change and to be with the difficulties. Ah, this is where we get stronger and just staying, being in your body, taking some breaths, doing whatever is needed to not bolt and just say, ah, this too, can I be with this too? Steadfastness. And that leads to the, the second element of this learning to stay, according to Pema Chodron, which is clear seeing. She says, Clear seeing is another way of saying that we have less self-deception. Meditation requires patience and metta. She calls it Maitri. It's the same thing as metta, loving kindness. If this process of clear seeing isn't based on self-compassion, it will become a process of self-aggression. We need self-compassion to stabilize our minds. We need it to work with our emotions. We need it in order to stay. So this clear seeing is not just a, a cold analytical acknowledgement of what's here, especially when it's difficulties inside. It needs to be a, a loving awareness, as Ramdas 
would say it needs to be a kind awareness it needs to be a self-compassionate awareness where you can um, calm down the system enough to see clearly otherwise it gets too dysregulated and and wants to bolt so this is the second one though to see clearly and to have kindness be your friend in opening up to those dark places then the third of these four is being willing to experience our emotional distress this is the path this is not just an obstacle this is the path experiencing our emotional distress and this is what she says transformation occurs only when we remember breath by breath year after year to move toward our emotional distress without condemning or justifying our experience now as we've said before you have to know what your capacities are and it's not always the right thing to go into the most difficult places you have to know what your window of tolerance is but if you are willing to or if you feel the courage even little by little titrating your opening to your emotions and your emotional distress or your confusion or your anger or whatever it is then uh, little by little you have this <clears throat> capacity to be less and less scared by it i was with a talking with a friend who recently had a uh, she did a, a long sitting i think it was like five weeks or so at the forest uh, ims and then the forest refuge and then she did another two weeks um, in england just a, a week afterwards and she was sharing a beautiful profound uh, experience on her retreat where she was getting in touch with a whole lot of negative feelings inside anger fear confusion she was just bombarded by all of these negative feelings and mind states and instead of bolting or instead of uh, quickly turning to loving kindness or turning your attention away she asked the question to herself and she'd not ever quite done this before she asked that she had been practicing now for weeks so she had some stability but she simply asked um, from the kindest place possible, why are you hurting? And she was speaking to all of those places inside, all of those mind states that were in one big constellation. And those were her words. I'm not saying they're the right words 
for you, but for her, it was just asking with, <clears throat> with genuine tender heart, why are you, why are you hurting? Really curious and really loving. And she said what happened next was quite surprising and, and profound. All of that negative energy rested right in her heart, just wanting to be comforted. And from that enemy, it turned into this uh, place inside that just needed some love. And what happened in a moment was all of that energy was freed from its contraction. It released and there was just so much tenderness, so much care, so much appreciation. It, it quite startled her. She had no plan other than just to be curious and wonder and say, come here, let me understand you. And that's, that's the, the miracle of being willing to experience our emotional distress. And I, I want to share with you a, a poem. I've shared it here before. It, it came up on my retreat. Um, actually, I know this poem really well. This is by Jennifer Wellwood, Unconditional. And describing this particular alchemical transformation. She says, willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior that lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant jewel-like essence. I bow to the one who has made it so, who has crafted this master game. To play it is pure delight. To honor its form, true devotion. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me. If you have the energy and the courage to open up to it and, um, and let yourself feel those deepest, darkest places. And when she says, this is not exactly a, a Buddhist line, I bow to the one who has made it so. 
and she's personifying the mystery who has crafted this master game, whatever you call it, there's some amazing journey that we are, we've been manifested in uh, that is our own mm, journey of transformation, if we see it that way. So that's the third one, experiencing our emotional distress, steadfastness, clear seeing, experiencing our emotional distress. And then uh, the fourth is attention to the present moment. And this is what she says. We make the choice moment by moment to be here, to be fully here, attending to our present moment mind and body is a way of being tender towards self, towards other, and towards the world. This quality of attention is inherent in our ability to love. We practice meditation to connect with metta, an unconditional openness, while not deliberately blocking anything, but by directly touching our thoughts and then in letting go of them with an attitude of no big deal, we can discover our fundamental energy is tender, wholesome, and fresh. We can start to train as a warrior, discovering for ourselves that it is bodhicitta, not confusion, that is basic. And bodhicitta, bodhicitta is that um, seed of awakening that is inherent in our nature. The awakened heart, the Buddha within. And our practice is to more and more connect with that. It's the thing that got you to practice in the first place. There's something that called you, even if you might have said at the beginning, who wants to do that? Just sit still and feel your breath or be here for all your thoughts and your feelings. Whoa, I'd rather entertain myself. But there's something in you, whether it was in a book you read or a friend or a talk that you heard, uh, or maybe just knowing that there might be more than just distracting ourselves all the time, that's, that's heard some kind of a call. Your bodhicitta, your seed of awakening, your awakened heart. And that in that, underneath all of those darker places or places of confusion is a love and an awareness or a loving awareness that can hold it all. That's how you discover it. On my, uh, on my retreat, um, I did something I, I didn't know. Uh, I thought I had done all I could in all of these years of sitting. Uh, but once again, I did a bit of a life review. 
I've done a life review for close to 50 years now, it comes up on retreat. Oh yeah, that happened and that happened and happened. But this, this was uh, going back to my childhood and I was trying to get in touch with this paradox of when I was a kid, I was told that when I was very young, I, I want to say hi to everyone. And we'd be walking, my parents and my sister would tell me this, um, we'd be walking uh, down the street, this is like when I was like three or four or so, and I'd want to go across the street to say hi to, uh, to that person and that person. So I knew that, you know, I heard that it was in there, but somewhere along the line, there was a whole socialization and a lot of fear that developed. And I was wondering how, how did that happen? You know, cause that is a part of me that, that uh, both sides are a part of me, which is why I can relate to both sides in, in others. But there was my natural tendency to, uh, to be friendly and to like people. And then it, it reminded me um, of a baby picture that I have and that I, I never really liked it. Um, and I was doing the retreat. I, I wasn't looking at email or uh, um, the internet at all, except for talks. So I had my phone. That was the only thing I used it for, for to download talks uh, and, and, and Dharma wisdom. But I remembered that on my phone was this baby picture. And so I decided to do something really radical and take a good look at this picture. I'm going to show you the picture. And I'm showing it not to show you who I, about me, but I highly recommend that you get a baby picture of yourself if you have, or some picture when you were a child in a good moment, when there wasn't fear there, if you have one. But this was my picture. Let's see if I can, if I can get it. Uh, hold on a second, because I have to pull it up right. Uh, oh no, what happened? Uh, uh, all of a sudden I lost it. It was all photos. Oh, hold on. Oh my goodness. Uh, it might take a while now to. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. I'll keep on talking for a while because it's loading up 
a lot of pictures here. And uh, hmm. Oh, well, it's a beautiful picture. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, and um, it's, uh, let's see, maybe I can pull it up here on my photos here. But you can't see it so well, but I'll put it up. Uh, um, no, there it is. That's my infant Jamie. And I hated this picture. That's the, that's the irony. I just really, every time I, I, I know this picture well, but I always cringed when I saw it. I just, I thought I was funny looking, ugly. That was what my mind said. But then I took a look at it. I said, that is a very sweet, adorable human being. He's really okay. There's a, there was something so, um, so innocent and um, open and wide. And I fell in love with that baby for the first time ever. It was quite extraordinary. It was like, wow, I thought I'd been through everything. I highly recommend you get a really good picture of yourself before you got socialized or before the world came in to see who you really are because it doesn't really change. Yeah, of course you learn things and you're uh and and you become wiser and you become fearful or you become whatever, but you know, just like Jesus said and I kept on having these words in my mind, unless you you become converted as children, you will not know the kingdom of heaven. That, that that our innocence is what we came into this world with. And sure, it's good to, to become socialized and learn, learn the rules of the game, and know you stop on the red and you go on the green and you don't go into, uh, into dangerous places. But we often can lose touch with that beauty and innocence, the light that's right inside of us. So this discovering the goodness inside of you, this is what we're, we're reconnecting with on, on the solstice. Whether it's the kingdom of heaven, you call it the kingdom of heaven or uh, bodhicitta or taking refuge in the Buddha right inside, taking refuge in the Dharma, the truth of things, and taking refuge in the Sangha that we don't do this alone, 
but it starts with seeing the Buddha within. And then naturally what follows is the more you can learn to love it all inside, the more you get a glimpse, start to learn to see we're all, we've all come into this world this way. Even though it might have been conditioned out of ourselves, we all um, have an innocence, came in with an innocence, came in with a goodness, and whatever causes and conditions determined the course of how that unfolding was, that's still inside. That's what the Buddha was saying, to get in touch with deep inside what is within you. Even Angulimala, who was a serial killer and killed 999 people, supposedly, until the Buddha broke the spell, and he turned into a fully enlightened being. It's never too late. I love the Longfellow line. You're probably familiar with this. If we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each person's life sorrow and suffering to disarm all hostility. If we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each person's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. So here we are at this solstice, this darkest time of the year. And here we are helping each other remember um, the light uh, within each of us. And I now wanted to uh, do a bit of a, a candle ceremony. Uh, I'll start, I'll, I'll read. This is uh, from Linda Graham, uh, inspired by Howard Thurman. Linda Graham is a, is a friend, a good friend and a very wise, uh, wise being. Candles for solstice, she says. Candles of light in the darkness, candles of grace, in the suffering, candles of joy, despite all sadness, candles of hope where despair keeps watch, candles of courage for fears ever present, candles of peace for tumultuous days, candles of forgiveness for all the difficulties, candles of love to embrace all that is life, candles that will burn all the year long. So with that, if you have a candle, um, and have a way to light it, we'll share light together and as we light it maybe get in touch with 
the intention to more and more stay connected to the light right inside of us so we can bring it out not only in ourselves but in others too so i'll light my candle here There's something very sacred about a light, about a flame, the eternal flame in, uh, that you light in, uh, in, in the synagogue that never goes out, the light never goes out, or whatever holiday you're, you celebrate or culture. This represents the light right inside of you. And if you have a candle in front of you, or if not, then you can look on the, on the screen. There's a few really beautiful uh, bright lights. And just get in touch with the Buddha or the kingdom of God right inside of you. your basic goodness that you've come into this world with. Let this light represent and remind you of that flame. And know that that flame has the power to awaken that flame in others as well. Even if it's just a little ember, you know, we affect each other. We remind each other of our goodness. That's why the Buddha said, stay, keep the company of the wise, avoid the company of the foolish, Let their wisdom and their kindness and their love awaken that in you, the Buddha says in so many words. And know that your light can do the same, not only for your own well-being, but for everyone. And here we are, I'll be quiet for a few moments as we celebrate this darkest evening of the year together. I'll share a winter solstice prayer by Edward Hayes. May we find hope in the lights we have kindled on this sacred night. Hope in one another 
and in all who form the web work of peace and justice that spans the world. In the heart of every person on this earth burns the spark of luminous goodness. In no heart is there total darkness. May we who have celebrated this winter solstice by our lives and service, by our prayers and love, call forth from one another the light and the love that is hidden in every heart. Amen. So we have some time for reflections and comments or um, anything that you'd like to add. You can just either raise your hand or unmute yourself. What wants to come out of you, if there is anything? Yeah, Charmaine. Hi. Oh, oh, you got to unmute yourself, Charmaine. In that lower left, lower low. Uh, if you if you're on a computer, uh, see where that that microphone is, and just uh, no. Huh. Do you see a do you see a microphone anywhere on your screen? If you're on a, are you on a, 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 a computer, a desk, a laptop or a desktop, look on the very bottom and over on the, usually it's on the lower left-hand corner. There's a microphone there. Unless there's a microphone somewhere on top. No. Okay. Well, silent night, holy night. <laughs> any, any other? Anyone else that wants to share a comment or? Here it is. I got it. Okay. Oh, you got it. Oh. I just wanted to thank you for the whole process tonight of bringing together, bringing us together with the light and, um, um, and, and just to say how much the, um, the Dharma 
um, the teachings, the Sangha has held me. And I am just so clear about how I'm being held by it every minute. And uh, it's a wonderful, comforting feeling. And it's, it's strong. It's really, it doesn't go away anymore. <laughs> mm. It's so, in you. It was in you all along, but now, but now it's... No, I, I, I feel it. Uh-huh. You feel it. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I thank you for being part of that opening mm. for me. Mm. I, I thank you for, for being part of this community, Charmaine. Thank you. <laughs> Anyone else? Or shall we call it an evening? Ah, uh, Louisa, and then Phil. So Hi. nice to hear you. Hi. <laughs> so nice to see you. And I Hello. don't know. Hi. Um, yeah, this was a really interesting practice for me. I think I was really struck um, by not feeling like I could really access this good, innocent, naive being. Um, and so that was really striking, uh, just how present all the criticisms and short shortcomings are. So um, I think you pointed me towards an area that um, could use a little more attention. So thank you. Thank you. You you might not you probably weren't alone in that. And I I you know I should have uh, made it clear. And I think you're you know you have a strong enough practice. I, I've known you for. Uh, long enough to know that you're just taking that in as important information. Uh, so for those who had a similar experience, this was not a, a pass fail test to, to see, you know, how, how head over heels you could be with your, your little child inside. Um, and yeah, if you had uh, some challenge getting in touch with it, this is really valuable. This is really your forward edge. I bet you were <laughs> a really cute kid. <laughs> Do you have any moments of, of joy that you can remember when you were a child? Um, I'm sure I could find some if I work on it. <laughs> okay. You just, yeah, you work on it or play with it and, and see if it can dig up some, some sweet picture. And uh, yeah, I mean, whether or not you can see it, th that's the paradox. Um, it comes through anyway. That's the weird, we're, we're usually the last ones to see, but you know, I, I've known you for a while now and I've, you know, I've always been, uh, I've always felt your your goodness in there, so you can't hide it. Even if you even if you try, only from yourself. So you know, just see what others see, and uh, yeah, good luck. Maybe that can be a, um, a a priority in your practice. Okay, thanks thanks for for sharing, Kimberly. Hi. Hi. 
Oh, was there, wait, before, oh, uh, I just remembered, Phil, you had your hand up. Did you want to say something? I didn't want to. Okay, I'll do, I'll do rock, paper, scissors with Kimberly. Yeah, go ahead, quickly, Phil. I said that, uh, I, I said I'd call on you next. And okay, we'll... so, you know, when I was a Hindu, I used to meditate to feel bliss, all right? Mm -hmm. And I did. Now, as a Buddhist, it's a little drier, you know? I mean, it's basically cool boredom, all right? And then, well, that's what uh, Chagim Trumka called it. Okay, cool boredom. All right. So uh, my mind normally wanders into entertaining things. And, mm -hmm. you know, after my 12 seconds of uh, breathing, but um, I don't. So in terms of looking at the darkness, like uh, Pema it, children is talking about, mm -hmm. um, I, I, here's my, my two questions. Number one, if I meditate for a half hour, am I likely to get into the darkness or, or do I need to go on a multi-day retreat? And number two, what is it that's going to allow me to have a different relationship to it? Is it my innocent child or some kind of other Buddhist principle working? Uh, number one, there's no planning your practice. So, it could, it's not like you're looking, I, I remember once uh, going to Joseph, everybody around me, this is in my first couple of years of practice, everybody around me was going through boxes of Kleenex because they were having such emotional releases. And I was, I was saying, I was thinking I was missing something here. And I said, I was just watching my breath and it's mm -hmm. not happening. Mm -hmm. And he said, don't go looking for trouble. It will find you soon enough. Mm um so there's no planning this it's not like you've got to dig it out and you know excavate it and purify it and all it's just being willing to be with whatever is here like like she said uh that 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 willingness that steadfastness um that uh learning to stay uh and it can be you know sitting and being like in you know you you shared recently that you have some anger that comes up with your with your neighbor uh and uh um when, whatever comes up it's saying okay this is here now and on retreat when it comes up there's an um there's a more of an opportunity because there's a quietness that also develops some uh, some greater steadfastness that's willing to explore. But you don't have to make a program out of it. Um, just see what's here and being being willing to allow for whatever your experience is. And as far as the, um, uh, what was the second one? What that, that what can- Or like, is it, you know, when I, when I take on this darkness, and I, I I create a new relationship to it and kind of heal yeah. it. Yeah. Is it my in, natural human innocence, or is there is it the the strength of the sangha, or is it Buddha it, concept? I mean, what is there? There's there. It's every one of those. It's your it's your natural. Um, it's awareness, an awareness that's not judging. Awareness can hold it all like we've shared before that mindful self-compassion feel it and you heal it name it and you tame it and feel it and you heal it there's something about holding it with a kind awareness that is a purification in itself and in that is love 
and in that is sangha that you're not doing it alone there's lots of different supports but mm-hmm. it's the awareness that heals and it's the same awareness when that you were uh, that you had when you were a little child the natural goodness but now as an adult who practices there's a uh it's a it's a precious transformative quality so just keep on trusting in the awareness and i would i would hope you can get in touch with uh, beyond cool boredom uh those <laughs> places that you touched when you were in your more bhakti element because mm-hmm. that's very important you need some juice as you do this mm. so okay thanks okay kimberly uh-huh. hi happy solstice to you and to everybody happy solstice. normally i would say hey thanks for the talk but i'm not going to do that tonight <laughs> um, <laughs> not that i didn't enjoy it it's interesting i wanted to say very quickly i came a little low to tonight mm-hmm. and nothing about the solstice i'm excited tomorrow's a longer day than the day they're not more hopefully more yeah. sun than today right that's yay mm-hmm. um but i couldn't have said yay before interesting that hearing the other folks share so sangha thank you and james thank you i was feeling low i stayed low and was thinking gosh how am i gonna come out of this low like that almost tiny bit just a few seconds of oh no uh uh-oh where's this and then it's not a commercial and i do this all the time i know but then I remembered tools I have and I wasn't, it wasn't so heavy. Okay. So I still feel a little bit low, but I feel less low from being mm-hmm. here with all of you from hearing everyone share and knowing, you know what? I'm going to savor something as soon as we're, I'm going to savor this right now. And it already feels less bad. How low. Mm. I'm so happy that you could remember and and for me the the trick in 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 shifting is not that oh i've got to open up my my heart and be dancing around the room just any kind of movement from contraction to a softening and then you appreciate that don't go for a gusher as i often say just go for oh a relaxation of the contraction and i'm so glad that you could you could remember yeah. and, well, be- and I think you know how I feel about awakening joy by now but you know mm-hmm. I mean everybody too and it, <laughs> it, just knowing that knowledge is there is what is helpful it doesn't even have that step that's the beginning of the softening because then we don't get as low as maybe we might have let ourselves mm-hmm. or I don't mm-hmm. before beautiful and- Thank you. Thanks, you guys. And and you're also pointing out to pointing out one uh, very profound understanding. It's all how you hold reality. And shifting from mm, heaviness, confusion, darkness, self-judgment. It's just one thought away that says, oh, and this is what's happening now, and it's okay. It's just being human. Boom, in one moment, that's the gift of the practice, that you can shift your perspective on things. So may we enjoy our solstice week, however way we celebrate holidays. Uh, Next week, I'll be 
I'll be here uh, for the end of the year where we can uh, do another uh, ending and beginning for the year. The, the, the week after that, by the way, Oren Sofer is going to be with us. I'll be here and he'll be a, a special guest. Um, so that's the beginning of, of January. But let's just uh, very briefly dedicate our time here together. Taking refuge in the Sangha. Knowing how blessed we are. And may we share our good fortune and our light uh, with all beings. May all know inner peace. May all be free or hold their suffering with compassion. And may all know uh, genuine well-being and happiness. Thank you very much for your attention and uh, have a great week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.